Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within. To seek out new joys and new methods of awakening. To boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. here once again of course we're always here this is another episode of awareness explorers and we welcome you i'm jonathan robinson i'm here with my trusty sidekick and technology wizard brian tom o'connor there you go well it's always good to see your face and i am i'm not going to use the word excited um what's another word for excitement um thrilled thrilled eager beside yourself beside myself well, that's one of the techniques to explore in Awareness Explorers, how to get beside yourself. And sometimes that's very useful because our topic is fear and anxiety and how to deal with that when you are an awakening being, not being like a garbanzo bean, but awakening being. I sometimes say that wrong. Anyways, we all have fear and anxiety, and it's important to know how to deal with it effectively because... You only have so much brain power, and if it's all going to fear and anxiety, there's no room left for awakening. But as always, I like to ask you, Brian, when I bring up a topic, what's the first impression or thoughts you have about it? My first thoughts about fear and anxiety are, I think, the mistaken idea that somehow we shouldn't have them, that they shouldn't be here that we should never experience them, and that the idea that when we become awakened or enlightened, we will no longer experience emotions that we don't want. But I don't think that's really true. It has more to do with the idea that any emotion is welcome, and when we stop our strategies to prevent them, they come and they go more quickly. I'm afraid I agree with you. <laughs> um, I like to disagree with you, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to say I agree with you. You know, uh, awakened people do have emotions. They have what some people might call uncomfortable or negative emotions, but their relationship with them changes. And I actually have a, a prop uh, for any YouTube viewers who might be watching this, but for those who are listening, let me describe my prop. It is a white piece of paper, you know, a normal eight and a half, eleven piece of paper, but it has a black dot the size of a dime on it. Uh, for anybody who's looking at it, it looks like this. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine that black dot represents your biggest fear, anxiety, or problem. And it's in this spacious white piece of paper, just like our biggest fear and anxiety is something that tends to take a lot of our attention from this big, open, expansive consciousness. Well, most people, their relationship with that black dot, that fear or anxiety or problem, is that they have their eyeball right on it, and they're busy saying, oh my God, it's just completely black. It's dark, and it goes on forever, and that's all I can see. And part of awakening is moving that black dot away from your eyeball 
so that you see it, maybe you experience it, but it's not taking up your entire experience of life. So uh, what do you think of my prop, Brian? I love it. I think that's such a perfect metaphor because it really is the white background. If we shift our attention from that black dot and the, and the dot of emotions like fear and anxiety, they are attention hogs. They just say, look at me, look at me, and don't think of anything else because I have something that needs to be fixed. And you're right. We put our eyeball on it, and it's huge. It takes up our whole field of vision. But when we shift to the, to the background in which it's appearing, that's where happiness and acceptance and allowing and joy are. Mm -hmm. And you don't even have to shift all the way to the background of awareness if you just get a little bit of perspective. You know, sometimes you're, you're caught in fear and anxiety and then, you know, uh, your dog comes along and licks you and that, that gives you some perspective. <laughs> That's right. And another thing uh, that you can do is when uh, the black dot of fear and anxiety is taking up your entire field of vision is just to ask yourself, what else is in awareness right now? I mean, right. there's, there's the sounds around you, there's the sensations in your body, there's sights, there's breezes, there's all sorts of stuff that's there. And the fear and anxiety becomes smaller proportionally. Yeah, as we've talked about in other episodes, it's uh, what we call the awareness two-step. You know, trying to get your, your eyeball off that problem, that black dot. What else is in awareness is a good first step. Gives you a little bit of perspective. And then it might be, and then what is this all appearing in? Can give you the biggest perspective is spaciousness. But before we go into different ideas and methods about this, I think it's important that we define fear and anxiety, especially what the difference is between them. Mm -hmm. And I have a proposal to see if you agree with, and that is that anxiety is kind of something that's in your head. It's like a thinking process. You know, you're thinking about the future, you're thinking what might happen, but it's mostly a, a head phenomenon of being caught up in some kind of story, whereas fear is more something that strikes me as visceral. It's like you, your heart races, your body is responding like with adrenaline. And uh, they're both on kind of a continuum, but they are in a way different things. And I think to some extent they have to be handled differently. Yes, I can see that distinction. Although I experience anxiety viscerally as well. Um, if I'm anxious about something, I can feel that gnawing tightness in the pit of my stomach or my heart beating a little faster. Uh, the distinction that I make about them, I agree with you, though, that anxiety is created by our mind. It's, it's our thoughts that are creating it. And our thinking triggers the body sensation or the actual emotion. And the distinction I make is that fear is about clear and present danger. It's about something that's happening right now. Oh my God, there's a truck coming and I'm in the middle of the crosswalk. I better run. I better get out of the way. Or you're in a jungle and a lion comes. And, and anxiety is all about the future. Mm -hmm. 
It's never about what's happening here and now. It's all about what might happen that, you know, or memories of something in the past that happened that you want to prevent again from happening in the future. But it seems very future oriented. And as you say, I agree, it's thought based. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like your distinctions. And I think between us, we have one great mind. Uh, we each provide half a brain. And uh, I hope you're not insulted that I called you half a brain. But um, together, I, I like how spiritual seekers, when they talk to each other, if they're open, can kind of broaden their perspective, which is really what our podcast is about, you know, exploring ideas and methods because we all get lost in one way of looking at it, and it's useful to broaden that perspective and see that there's there's more there's we're all here to help each other and and give a piece of the puzzle another aspect of fear and anxiety that i've noticed is that we often barely know what it is we're afraid or anxious about that it's kind of an unnamed fear and unnamed fears tend to invade your life a lot. Whereas if you can name it precisely, I think that's a important part of either having less fear and anxiety or creating some distance. Let me give you an example. Have you noticed that there's kind of like a, polarized political situation in the world nowadays really i didn't notice that yeah well uh, you might want to get this podcast called awareness explorers so you would notice things like that uh, <laughs> i am being so bad i know you're not I sarcastic know. and which i usually try to avoid but there you go well you know it has brought up a fair amount of fear in me and anxiety yes me too um, and I, without it being labeled, it was like, you know, just this free floating fear and anxiety. And then when I, I got down to what exactly am I afraid of or anxious about? And one of the things was like, our entire system can fall apart. You know, that it's getting so many hits in different ways. And then when I looked at that, I kind of did the Byron Katie thing. I said, is that likely, is that even true? You know, is our system really going to fall apart? And I said, no, that's not going to happen, in my opinion. So that's an example of when I really define the fear and anxiety, it actually gave me some perspective from it. This makes sense? It does, absolutely. Have you had that experience with naming fears or anxiety? Yes, yes and I think you're right. The unnamed fears seem to overtake you more. Um, and when you when you name the fear and then when you ask yourself, well, is that happening now? Often the answer is no. Yeah. That's another way of kind of defining it. Is it yes. ha is it actually happening? Exactly. <laughs> so I think both of those are really useful. Naming it yeah. and asking the question, is it is it happening now? Am I safe? right now yes right right and you know even in say the political sphere where it does sometimes bring up a feeling of non-safety 
That's right. And, you know, is it, am I safe now? Well, obviously I'm safe now, and I've been safe for the last 60 years. So, um, you know, pretty good track record. It's kind of like if every time you do something, you know, like eat, I've, I've never missed a meal because of lack of money. So it's a pretty good bet. I'm probably going to be able to do that for the rest of my life as well. Mm -hmm. So naming fears, defining them is sometimes a step towards uh, putting them in perspective and, and allowing you to not have your eye on that black dot. Right. You know, because basically... We do have relationships with these things, and an awakened person, as best I can tell, their relationship... Well, first, let me speak about something I consider myself quite an authority on, and that is having a screwed-up relationship with it, a non-awakened relationship with it. And that is, you know, it gets your attention, you focus on it, uh, etc., and there isn't that much perspective. But seems like awakened, fully awakened people don't have resistance to such things. They don't label them as negative, and it kind of passes through them. Whereas when I'm not awakened, I resist it, and therefore it kind of lessens the flow of it moving through me. Yes, I totally agree with that. I think that it's the resistance that is actually worse it's it really the the sometimes the secondary emotion around these so-called negative emotions are worse the resistance is often more painful than the pain or fear the idea that this shouldn't be happening is a cause of much more suffering than the actual pain or fear yeah yeah and that's basically the non-enlightened stance towards most things. This shouldn't be happening. Right. You know, whether it be the weather or the politics or the pain in my body or how your mate is, you know, it, it's like our mantra. You said it. You really put it in a nutshell. Yeah. So if you can develop a relationship that is open, allowing, and knowing that everything changes, so it's not like the fear and anxiety is necessarily going to stick around forever, then it becomes part of the flow of sensations moving through you. Absolutely. And uh, two responses to that. Very important that you talked about the flow of sensations, because when we can actually notice the sensations in our bodies that come along with fear and anxiety, then we can drop into just noticing how it feels. It takes us away from the mind. It takes us away from thought and from the story, because it's the story that can spin and spin and keep it going almost indefinitely. But the body, when you experience it in the body wordlessly, that's really, I think, one of the best methods uh, to use. And the yeah. second best method that occurred to me that is related to what you just said is something that I call SBFD. And I often use that when I'm feeling 
something that I really think I ought not I ought not to be feeling, or I really don't want to be feeling this. Well, so big freaking deal. I'm mm -hmm. feeling, I'm 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 feeling anxious now. So is that, that really the most terrible thing that could be happening? So well, so that could be the replacement way. mantra for uh, this shouldn't be happening to uh, so big freaking deal. Yep. <laughs> exactly. There are two sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, human beings love stories. Yeah. Um, when you think about it, and when I read this in a book, and I thought it was very interesting that there's only been one movie ever made. There's only one plot. <laughs> now, I'll give it? you the plot. Well, no, yeah. there's actually two, but two. Uh, they're, they're the same for 90% of the movie. Uh -huh. some, some person, protagonist, is faced with a challenge, and they uh, do what they can to overcome the challenge, mm -hmm. and they either succeed or they fail. Right. There, we, we, just def we just defined every movie ever made. Every movie ever made in the history of drama, back yeah. all the way back to the Greeks. Right. So sometimes we find our, that's how we perceive our lives. Oh, we got this challenge. I have to overcome the challenge, and then everything will be okay. But that's so different than how life actually comes to us. Life does not come to us as challenges. It comes to us one moment at a time. And then we create stories that we think about and how we have to vanquish this challenge or we can't vanquish this challenge. And as people awaken, they start to step out of these stories of fear, anxiety, needing to vanquish a challenge, and they just experience life more as you here, I'm here. This is a neat moment. We're alive. Mm -hmm. So I notice in my own developing awakening, when I hear people getting lost in their dramas and their stories, I sometimes go, yeah, 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 you're inside. <laughs> I try to be empathetic, but, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, that's a good drama. You know, uh, dramas go, that's a good one. But remember, right now, we're both okay. Yep. Even awakened people have challenges in their lives that arise. But the difference is when a challenge arises, which may just be something simply practical, an obstacle that falls mm -hmm. in your path. Um, when you realize that it's just another thing that's arising in awareness now among many, many other things, and you're not spinning a story about how it shouldn't be there. In other words, you're allowing it to be there, and you're allowing whatever feelings you have around it to be there, then you tend to rise to the challenge in a sort of intuitive, automatic way. And things seem to work out better. So it's not like all challenges go away and life all of a sudden becomes easy. It's that the story about how life is hard leaves. And we face the difficulties more gracefully. Yeah, and more one moment at a time rather than trying to swallow the elephant full. Exactly. Good one. Yeah. You know, I, in, in Awareness Explorers and outside of Awareness Explorers, I have a little bit of a hobby, which is 
talking to very awakened people. So I was just at a workshop a week or two ago where I got to spend a lot of time with a couple of very awake people. And um, then, of course, last episode, we talked to Susanna Marie. And they often say similar things about what life is like without fear and anxiety. And in some ways, it feels very different. And in some ways, it feels very natural, you know. As you said, they have challenges, but they aren't lost in a story about them. So life is very much this second, and now this second, and now this second. And and that's how you eat challenges, or you eat an elephant, one little bite at a time. And it's it's important to to get a sense of what that's like. I'm I'm listening to a book by Jan Fraser called When Fear Falls Away. This was a woman who was a little bit of a spiritual seeker for sure, but one day she just woke up completely. And she no longer had any fear and anxiety where she had had a history of being very fearful and anxious. And she says, you know, I still want good things for my children. You know, I still care for them. That hasn't fallen away. But I realize I don't have control, and and so if there's not something I have to decide right now, I just rest into beingness, and I don't worry the way I used to. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that really does say it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with a lot of our other fears, you know, whether fear of old age or death or money, a lot of them really are just thought patterns about the future that if you were just present in your life now, you'd realize they're completely unnecessary and not needed. That's right. I mean, when was the last time you needed fear? You know, have you been chased by any elephants lately? (laughs) No, I think you only need it in, in, in certain physical situations where you're, where you're in physical danger. Certainly, uh, in in something like a, a jungle or forest with wild animals, or the concrete jungles of New York City where I live, there's there are dangers, and so yes, I might feel a little fear if some very large vehicle I didn't notice before was heading towards me. But that's different. That's not. There's no story there. There's just, oh, I better get out of the way. Boom, and you do it. Yeah, it would be yeah. beautiful if all fear and anxiety were treated that way. Oh, okay. It's like, you know, Locke Kelly talks about it as a telephone call. And maybe there's danger and maybe there's not. But you answer the call and you say, hello, what is it? Oh, okay. That's something I really need to act upon. And then you do it. Or you say, oh, no. That's not really anything. That's just imaginings of the future. So I, I don't really need to take that call. Yeah. I've been using a method that kind of is like that recently uh, called the dismissing technique. Oh, yeah? And the technique is you feel the fear or anxiety. You notice kind of like where it is in your body. And then you kind of quickly decide whether you need to continue feeling it. 
which almost never is the case. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I got, I got the call. Thank you. Got the message. And then you say, uh, thank you for being here. I no longer need you. You can leave now. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind it. of using your intention and those words. Thank you for being here. I no longer need you. You can leave now. And then I take a deep breath and I say, I kind of like blow it away. Like, okay, you got the message. You hanging around is completely counterproductive at this point. <laughs> um, and it's actually been a very helpful technique at times. Now you got to be careful that you're not always just pushing away uncomfortable emotions because another part of awakening is allowing yourself to feel stuff. So the first step is you do feel it. Right. But um, the necessity of spending a lot of time in fear and anxiety uh, seems to be just a habit. That's right. And you're absolutely right. It's totally key to feel the fear or to feel any emotions. The question is, where do you feel it? And emotions really are chemical. So they're felt in the body. And when you feel them in the body, you take your attention away from the story in your mind. Mm -hmm. And that's where healing is, is by giving the attention simply to your body and allowing it to be however it is right now. And the other thing you reminded me of when you talked about it is the old saying, feel the fear, but do it anyway, which mm-hmm. is good advice up to a point, but it never totally worked for me because the, the do it anyway part, if I, if, if I didn't do it, then I would get down on myself and that would be just one other thing that I failed at. And so I came up with this advice that I would give myself. Feel the fear. Whether you do it anyway is immaterial. Yeah. So I, I would, you would feel the fear. You would allow it to be there. You would drop the clutching and tensing against it and the strategies to prevent it from happening. Drop into the body. Notice it's happening. Then once you do that, you can make a decision on whether to act or not. And you may act and you may not. And either way, it doesn't give you another thing to criticize yourself over, to be down on yourself over, or to worry about, or to be anxious about. Yeah, yeah. The last topic I want to bring up before you lead a guy meditation is um, a lot of people have fear about awakening. Ah, yes, I've heard. Or losing tell. their ego. Yes. Now, I find that kind of funny because most of the time that I have had awakening experiences, I go, man, this is fantastic. How could I be afraid of this? Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems to be a thing. And what are your thoughts about it? Well, I have heard a lot of people talk about that. And um, I, I do think it's a real thing. And I do think it's a fear of loss of control. Mm-hmm because we think that we will not be able to um, will not be able to interact with people in a normal way or that we'll forget to eat or something like that. And um, it's not a fear I have, so I don't have first-person insight into that fear. How about yeah. you? Yeah, I don't really either. I mean, sometimes I, 
I, I get ego resistance to more awakening, but I wouldn't say fear because I, you know, in the awakening experiences that I have, it's very positive. I'm able to function. And in a way, I wouldn't say I have less control. I'd say that I see how little control I normally have. So in a certain way, I have more control. <laughs> right now, I just have the illusion of control. Then at least I am more clearly seeing, wow, I hardly control anything, and that seems to work for me. Right. Well, seeing things as they are is, uh, can actually be a comfort. Yeah, yeah. And, things... and you let go of imagined control, and then you have kind of more of the feeling of control of having a solid place of peace that you're coming from. Right, right, absolutely. And I had another thought on that subject. Uh, a lot of people's fear of losing the sense of a separate self revolves around the fear that their personality, which they've grown to care about and love, will go away. And it actually doesn't go away. It's not like the personality all of a sudden disappears. It's that it becomes, instead of something that you completely identify with, it becomes something like your favorite character in a novel or a movie. You can enjoy the character traits of that person, but you know that that's not your true nature, your true identity. That it's just something that you, as awareness, experience. Yeah, like you're wearing a costume. Yes, sure. Or you're, because I mean, like when you watch a movie and you identify with a protagonist, you really start to feel like those things are happening to you. Yeah. And when you can start to see life as, wow, there's this character, a very interesting character that I care about, and these things are happening to them, but I can step away and realize that all those things that are happening are happening in a vast, huge, infinite, clear, open, allowing field of awareness and identify with that. And then it's joyful, but you don't have to get rid of all the personality quirks. They're just there. They're just another thing to be enjoyed in all that is. Hmm. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> uh, maybe you can help bring us into that experience more fully with a guided meditation. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, this uh, guided meditation I call From Story to Body to Spacious Awareness. So here goes. First, if you're not driving, close your eyes and take a couple of slow, easy, deep breaths and allow yourself to relax. Think of a time when you've felt fear or anxiety. It can be a specific incident that triggered it, or it can be simply the memory of how it felt to be afraid or anxious. If you're feeling fear or anxiety right now, then there's no need to recall a past instance. You can simply use what's happening right now. 
usually when fear and anxiety arise, they arise with a story about the circumstances around them. If there's a story that comes to mind, notice that it's there. Acknowledge its presence. Notice the words and images that come with it. Notice that the story is mostly made up of words, an inner monologue or dialogue running through your mind. Ask yourself, where in me is this story appearing? If it was a movie playing within you, where is it playing? Most of us sense this story to be appearing in our minds, somewhere inside our heads. Get a sense of the story playing out in your head. Now imagine that the story is fading. The images are getting slightly blurry and less distinct and the dialogue on the soundtrack is growing softer and softer. As the words grow quieter, drop your attention down below the neck. Notice how your shoulders feel. Notice how your chest feels. Notice how your heart feels. Notice how your belly feels. Notice all the sensations you feel in your body. Give these sensations, whatever they may be, your full attention, without trying to change them in any way. Notice the sensation of weight against the chair, or floor, or bed. Notice the feeling of the temperature on your skin. Notice all the sensations of your body. Notice all the sensations your body is feeling right now. And notice them without words. Just raw, pure sensation. No story attached. Ask yourself, can I allow however my body is feeling right now? Can I allow all my sensations to simply be without analysis, 
without story, without words. Just be with your body. Now ask yourself, who or what notices my body and its sensations? Is it my body? Or is it a vast spaciousness in which all sensations and perceptions appear? Can you, ever so slightly, shift your sense of you, of the I that is the witness of all your experience? Can you ever so slightly shift your identity from your body and its sensations to the spacious awareness in which all of your experience appears? Be that. And now, take another slow, easy, deep breath. And at your own pace, open your eyes. You're good at that, Brian. Why, thank you, Jonathan. <sighs> feel good? I feel better. <laughs> I'm, I now feel excellent, as a matter of fact. Excellent. Yes, that is one of my favorite words. I notice I use it a lot. My other one is lovely. I love uh -huh. that word. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I use the word groovy, which shows you how old I am. Oh, that's a cool word. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. groovy was, uh, you know, I remember when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, anything good was boss. That shows you uh -huh. how old I am. That is so boss. Wow. Now yeah, you're older. <laughs> I'm older. I, I never got that one. You never got that one. Well, of course, that also might be an East Coast thing. Uh -huh. <clears throat> might not have yeah. made it to the West. Now I hear awesome. So that was an awesome me meditation just yeah. to be up to date. And uh, yeah. we have about <clears throat> 35, 40 guided meditations on the Awareness Explorers website. And they're all really good from different teachers and ourselves. And um, hope you explore those. Hope you explore the website. Hope you explore yourself. Hope you explore spaciousness. And what are you hoping people explore, Brian? I'm just hoping that they explore the vastness, the allowing emptiness, their true nature. Yeah, yeah. It's In dope. this crazy world, the more we can access that, the more I think we can help the world situation as well. Yeah. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell yourself, 
and keep coming back for more. And as always, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And we'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.